0: Into your listener questions with Travis the Beard at TravisNFL, James the Brain at underscore James the Brain, Jake Anderson at NFL Draft Talker, and Addison Hayes at Amaze Hayes underscore. Alright. Number question number three came from Brian Velesquez. That's at Brian Fiesta33 on Twitter. He DM'd us this question for a super flex league, 12 man half point per reception. What is the ideal draft spot?
1: If you had to choose
2: middle of the pack, always middle,
1: (laughs) always middle. I'm just curious, Jake. What's the, what's the reason behind middle of the pack?
2: I just hate being out the turn on any, any draft regardless if it's super flex or or anything. I just want to be in the middle so I can kind of judge what kind of players are going to go. And I just, I just hate being at the turn and being like, "Well, I have to kind of make my reaches here," and then your player value just, for me, it's just. I just because hate there being could
0: at be, the be a run, okay. because there could be a run in between your picks. You're you're going through the exact same thing I am, Jake. You acted like you (laughs)
2: are. I'm I'm not so worried about 24 quarterbacks going. (laughs) Like Scott Fishbowl, I had the 101. So like playing that quarterback roulette or just playing any position roulette is is tricky. Like you want to take the best player available, but you also sometimes have to reach for players because you know there's going to be 23 other players gone by the time it gets back to you. So for me, I don't like that proposition. I just want to be in the middle so I can kind of – judge how the draft is flowing and I can I can plan accordingly.
0: Gotcha.
3: I I agree with that. You're not susceptible to runs. You're in the middle, so you can kind of maybe try and start a run if you need it to happen and gauge, you know, how the uh, the four, five, six guys, whatever that are drafting in between you um, are going to draft as well. And you'll be you'll be fine. And plus if you look at it this way if you don't take a quarterback in the first round and a lot of quarterbacks go in the first round, then you're, you're in the middle of the second round and you can you can adjust accordingly. So again, not susceptible to run. So middle of the pack for me um, and not on either end.
1: Okay, well, I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I, I I guess I don't want one or 12, um, but I'd be fine with two or three and same thing with 10, 11. And I guess my thing is, is that it, it kind of helps me get better values in the fact that if I'm at 10 and I look at 11 and 12, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's going that way I'm going to pick and then 11 and 12 are going to pick. And I know 11 and 12 already have two quarterbacks and I only have one. It's easier for me to go, okay, well, I'm going to take this receiver that I really like because he's less likely to be there than this quarterback. So for me, it kind it of, kind of helps me Gauge And and I guess it's less for dynasty. I mean, people aren't filling starting lineups or, you know, are are, they'll take a third quarterback, that type of thing. But for redraft, for sure, I would much rather be um, towards those ends Um, for dynasty. I guess it it doesn't um, play too big of a role for me, but it it does a little bit. I mean, there's still, you know, um, you know, if I'm looking at it, if I'm if let's say I'm at 11 and 12 is picking after me and I know they already have Rodgers and um I don't know, in the third round, they took Matthew Stafford or something. You know, I, I don't expect that they're going to take a quarterback in the fifth round when guys like, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe Jameis Winston's still on the board or something. Um, maybe I can pass on him, take that receiver that I really want that wouldn't have been there had I not been able to kind of look ahead. So I, I always find that it kind of helps me a little bit when I'm in drafts that I can kind of look ahead at what other, other, um, other owners have done and kind of kind of guesstimate what what will be there Um, I think I can do that with a few owners Um, you know two spots maybe um, you know is where I feel comfortable being able to do that anything more than that and I I feel like you're just kind of kind of kind of grabbing the best player available maybe that's for the best but to me I've always had had more success doing that uh, being at like 2-3 or being at 10-11 so those are the kind of the spots that I prefer
4: Interesting. So I think I'm kind of a little bit of both. I, I think I'm ideally I'd like the uh, like three to five or, or the same thing on the back end. Like for exactly what you were saying, James, like I like to be able to look and see, okay, there's three guys after me. These are their rosters. They both get two picks. They're more likely to take this position than this position. I can take this player and maybe this guy will make it back to me. And then at the same, at the same time, at the same time, uh, what Jake and Addison said is, you know, if you're farther back, like if you're in the four slot, that that wait isn't as long as if you're at one one. But you still get the advantage of of being close enough to the end to kind of predict those picks a little bit. And then you've only got to wait, you know, 16 picks instead of 22 or whatever.
0: Nice. All right. We got pretty much all the cover. You know where I'm at. I'm just wh- wherever I have to be to take Aaron Rodgers. But <laughs> so all i want to say here though to the commissioners out there first of all your your startups really should be auctions but if you're going to do a snake draft do it this way kentucky derby style is totally the way to go where they get to actually draft their draft position so where you actually get to make that choice well, next question from colton briscoe uh my my neighbor here in the Mi- mile high city If you could buy or sell any player realistically for a 2019 first, who would it be?
4: I'm selling Chris Carson for a 2019
0: first. You're nuts. (laughs) You're nuts. Uh, Okay. Anyways. I'm (laughs) selling Traquan
3: Smith for a 2019 first.
0: (laughs) I, I don't think you can get a
4: first for Traquan Smith.
3: Have you seen the catches he's been making?
4: <laughs> you serious you think you can get a first for Traquan smith no, right now no you can okay you def-
3: <laughs> i don't think you can get a first i think you might be able
4: to get a first for carson i don't think so if these blurbs keep coming out man john john I, would absolutely pay a 19 first for
1: carson. i did see yes,
3: someone sir. take him oh, in the wow. fourth round of a best ball draft yikes
1: yeah i saw that too that was crazy yeah that that's, was crazy. that's a little much like right after Oshawn mccoy that's that's nuts what do you think jake what uh who, who are you oh, buying yourself
2: there's, there's so many players i'd I'd be looking to buy uh and honestly i don't know if there's i don't know if there's many players i'd be looking he said late right late uh first?
0: he didn't say no so, just a random random first oh he just
2: said yeah. random okay so i guess we'll uh, just I
0: assume guess... a mid first okay
2: yeah in my mind i was thinking he said late for whatever reason um Boy, that just really changes the tide for me. Why don't somebody else go, and I'll come back to it, because I was thinking it was late first.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'll go ahead. Mine, I kind of used late first, too, but um, I, I think if you find a or you can get a, a mid-first, and I, I'd be selling Robbie Anderson, obviously, um, <laughs> some off-the-field issues, and I, I don't buy that he's going to reproduce like he produced last, last year. Um, so I, I'd be willing to sell him for a first, and it looks like, uh, some of the value I found on him, it looks like his value is pretty close to a late 2019 first. So I think I think if you find a truther, if you find someone who needs that help, you might be able to get a mid 2019 first. So I'd be selling Robbie Anderson. I don't I don't buy um, Robbie Anderson being a sustainable fantasy asset um, for the long term, and I I don't even know you know. He was definitely a favorite of McCown's, but I don't know. Once Darnold takes over, which I I kind of think is probably going to happen this year, I don't know really where that leaves Robbie Anderson. Anyways, so um, not only does he have you know the off-field issues and is he looking at missing time, but he also I I don't, I don't know where he fits in that offense long-term. So I'm I'm selling Robbie Anderson. I have all sorts of questions on him. If I can get a 2019 first for him, I'm I'm jumping at it.
4: I'll- I'm on board with that, obviously, James. I don't know that you could get that, though, man.
1: Well, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm on Dynasty Trade Calculator is where I went, and his value was uh, that of a late 2019 first. So, Wow. According to wow. that, yeah, according to that, it looks like I'm not too far off base, but, um, yeah, I, do, I don't know. You know, obviously, recent news and uh, some recency bias is going to play, play into that, but as of right now, he hasn't been suspended, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I looking at his numbers last year, if you can really kind of sell him to an owner, you might be able to get that, I think.
4: Yeah, I was just looking at uh the new DLF Superflex ADP that uh we helped get on there. Go check that out. DLF has Superflex Dynasty ADP now. Yeah. Uh Robbie Anderson is one thirty two uh overall, which I think is down from last time we talked about him. Um mm-hmm. But he's going around guys like Kenny Stills, Emmanuel Sanders, Naheem Hines, Chris Thompson. I mean, are those guys that you would pay a nineteen first for? Like, I don't even know if he's in that range.
1: Yeah, probably not. You're you're probably right. I don't I don't know that I would. Um, I, yeah, I, I I probably wouldn't. I, You'd have to find the right owner, that's for sure. But I, I really feel like if you found an owner that didn't think he was going to miss time and felt like he was still going to be the number one target for the New York Jets, I think that you could get somebody to pay L.A. 2019 first. Maybe, maybe I'm off base with it, but I think I, th- I, I think you still might be able to. I think right now his value is depressed because people are expecting a suspension to come. But I mean, there's nothing. Imminent with that. I mean, we don't know really what's going to happen with that. So I think right now that's really affecting his ADP. But I think if if he doesn't miss any time, which I mean, I guess there's a chance of, I still wouldn't want him as as you know. I would still sell him for a 2019 first, and I think then it becomes way more realistic that you get it. So um, I think it, I, it depends on the time. Maybe right now you can't sell him for that, but uh, before the start of the season, there's a good chance you might be able to.
2: Honestly, the only way I'd even be looking to sell this time of year is if I was in complete rebuild mode. Um, and I don't think it's a good time to sell those those picks if you are. I would just, I would just hold out. But as far as, as, as buying, I mean, anybody, you know, top 50, outside that top 50 to, I don't know, anywhere from the top 50 to the, the top like 90 guys in just the one QB league if you're going to look from that kind of ADP I would give a a late first for for any of those guys and at least try to start negotiating because for me these picks just just so rarely work out to what we think they're going to be and I know that they gain value the closer you get to this draft but man if you can find one of those teams that is rebuilding and get some of these veteran players even just some of these players that maybe they don't value as much as you do, uh, you know, got your your Will Fuller, your Alex Collins, um, your Golden Tate, your Marvin Jones. I'd love to acquire those guys if, if I knew my pick wasn't going to be a top three pick. Um, but if I had to talk about a couple guys that I would be, be, be maybe looking to sell if I am rebuilding, um, if I could get a, a late first for Lamar Miller, I would do that. Um, I think Mark Ingram would be a guy that you'd be maybe looking to sell, even though it might be better to sell during the season. Uh the Miami guys, Devontae Parker, Kenyon Drake, I might be looking to get out on those guys. Um yeah, that's about that's probably about it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna I'll- take the exact same angle as Jake. First of all, I don't particularly want to want to sell before the season even starts because you're turning you know, twenty eighteen fantasy points into nothing essentially, mm-hmm. and it, you might need those points. You never know. You could be a contender this year. You don't know. Yeah, I think the
4: point though is to sell sell hype for a first, not guys you actually think that you are going to be useful to you. Like, you want to sell the guys that are getting hyped up in preseason and training camp that aren't <laughs> going to be useful, and their value is going to drop, and they're not. You're not going to be able to get a first for them anymore once the season hits. Like Chris Carson. Sure.
0: Yeah
2: oh he you said sure uh, you guys aren't gonna no uh, one's gonna get a first for chris carson
0: though the, I, I, I missed that one because i just missed that one <laughs> I, I so i got a. I just got a random pop-up on my computer screen that said are you a fan of tits and it just totally threw me off like as you were talking <laughs> about chris carson like that's just such a weird question to ask somebody
4: you know those are personalized ads, John. Those are popping up for a reason, my friend.
1: <laughs> those ads are on the <laughs> Targeted channel.
0: marketing? Yeah, probably.
1: That's as ridiculous as it popping up and saying, are you a fan of Chris Carson? Like, yeah, who isn't? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to ask. Bye. Chris Carson and tits. Yes, I'm there. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's cool. so also pop-up.
2: just... Is the tits?
0: It was. It was just like very. It was kind of aggressive. You know. It's like straight to the point. Like, are you a fan of tits? Like, <laughs> yeah, I got man, a pop up.
4: Of ad. course, I am. I got a no. pop
0: up ad the other day for
4: Lacroix, and that's when I knew I had a problem.
0: Nice. That's a that's a good one to have. But
2: yeah, I'm,
1: I'm terrified of what pop up ads going to come up. I'm <laughs> <on my computer>. like, <laughs> shut down now. Yeah. Anyways,
4: John, do you are you <laughs> so, selling anybody for nineteen first
0: right now? uh there are there aren't very many guys i would sell but LaShawn mccoy i think is one and like i said i, I kind of take the same angle as jake you know the guys who at the very most they're going to give you a little bit more production in 2018 so yeah LaShawn mccoy is the first one that pops into my mind because i think that he's going i mean you can probably get more than a 2019 first for him which is crazy i think the me. opposite dude Really? Do you have the D the Dynasty Trade Calculator pulled up? Shout
4: out to the DTC guys. Yeah, Nico. I'd love to see his value right now because I don't think you could get a first for him right now at all.
1: Really? I think you
2: could easy. I think you could get a late first for sure. Yikes, man. Mm-hmm. But again, I would, I would, I'd maybe just roll the dice that um, he ends up playing, and you can maybe even sell to a contender a little bit later on. Yeah. It's, I think his value. I think for my my gut instinct on the situation is he's going to play this year. Who knows if that ends up happening, but if that does, his uh, his value is obviously going to come back up a little bit. I think right now is absolutely not the time to sell him.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, definitely agreed. true too. Yeah, yeah, can't I, get
2: much lower. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm kind of coming at it from from, you know, this scenario where, you know, all of this off field stuff is behind us you know just just hypothetically and it's it's just a matter of what is he going to do on the field and i'm selling what he's got left in the tank i guess that's that's kind of where i'm coming at it from but yeah you're right. right right now is not the there's no cell window right now and then guys, were you uh, able
4: to pull that up john or no
0: yeah no you're right he's about a, a early second round value Right now, nine
4: nine in twenty
0: nineteen
4: picks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, I thought it was even maybe potentially lower than that, but yeah. Well, I feel like
2: I feel like the hysteria was there a couple weeks ago, and like in even in best ball leagues, I feel like two weeks ago, like no one was wanting to touch him in like the first six rounds, and now like he's back up in that fourth round range, you know, end of the third, early early fourth round range. and I was I was in a sticky situation. I think it's probably because I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. Like I don't want any more shares. <laughs> but um, I was at I was at four hundred one in the best bowl with some that with the Pro versus Josh Sharks thing that uh, Quantum Tim is doing. Tim Turner is doing. Um, and I took Sony Michelle over him at four hundred one.
4: Yeah, I don't I don't blame you, man. In this uh, in our July Superflex adp he went at 102 that's pretty crazy he what pick uh, i'm sorry 102 <laughs> i can like, yeah, <laughs> see how that was confusing for him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a middle middle of the eighth round is his super flex adp right now
1: wow yeah. nice okay
0: so some guys so, i would i would buy real quick um definitely second second year wide receivers I don't know that I can get Corey Davis or Juju at this point, but I mean even Kenny no. Galladay. I would I would give a twenty nineteen first for Kenny Galladay. Love it. And uh and then also I would even do it for some of these rookie wide receivers. Um definitely DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Calvin Christian Ridley. Kirk. I guess Christian Kirk.
2: Kirk uh, what do you mean you I, guess? I,
0: uh I can't I, I'm I'm that's just a, a taboo name around here at this point already, i've already
4: paid a 19 first for christian kirk in three different leagues he a yeah, technician. yeah.
0: <laughs> and i would i would pay a 2019 first for anthony miller nice
2: i'm, I'm okay yeah, with that too. take i would too yeah. very nice i don't know if anybody's gonna really do that but
4: yeah they should but yeah they probably <laughs> <would>. depends <laughs> on where they got them i guess
1: so what we got for like, our next question here john we get we got a good one here i'm, I'm pretty excited to actually get to
0: guys ffstatistics.com aka the google of fantasy football is live and every stat you need to make roster decisions from the draft through the championship is all here in the massive database at ffstatistics.com weekly fantasy points per game career fantasy finishes redraft adp Coaching tendencies, QB targets, defensive patterns. It's a stocked warehouse of fantasy stats. And now you can gain the ultimate advantage with a premium membership for the 2018 season with the Start-Sit tool, Redraft Trade Analyzer, defensive data, and weekly updates to player consistency and weekly scoring. Go to ffstatistics.com and sign up for a premium membership for access to these game-changing tools. Memberships are $1 per week, $5 per month, or $10 for the entire year. So you can't afford not to get your membership and prepare for total domination of your fantasy leagues. That's at FFStatistics underscore on Twitter, and FFStatistics.com for your analytical advantage. The SFB-9 Satellite League is full and drafting now, but... Fear not. It's Listener League Part 2 time. This time we're looking for competitors for a three division Dynasty League. And not just any Dynasty League. Quick shout out to Tom Kislingberry at Tom Degenerate on Twitter and host of DLF's Read and React IDP podcast for coming up with this awesome format, the Vampire League. show hosts will be the vampires and if you lose to the vampire you lose a starter to them as they gain power with each win the league ends when a vampire wins a championship in the meantime keep the vampires from gaining power on your way to creating the dominant dynasty and your chance to win awesome prizes from the super flex super show it's first come first served but priority will be given for ratings and reviews So give us those ratings, give us those reviews, and hit us up to enter now.
2: Alright,
0: so next one up. I've heard many podcasters talking about trading out or trading back during startups when you hit those desert rounds where no one really interests you. I've not heard people talk about trading up if you can predict where these deserts are, are using ADP data or previous mock experience, likely the fifth or sixth round for me and superflex startups, you could proactively trade up. Have you ever tried this? Why or why not? And that's from Nathaniel Broughton. He's at Nathaniel bro on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I'll go and start. I, I think it's really interesting because it's pretty difficult. When you're trading in a startup, to to gauge the value of 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 the picks that you're giving away compared to the picks that you're getting, um, and it's tough because you don't know the players that are there. You you're relying on ADP data, and that's not always accurate. And as a matter of fact, it's never accurate. You're never going to get a uh, a draft that matches up with any um, ADP information. At least I've never been at one. Um, that did. So I think the interesting part for me is if, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to be proactive and say, okay, look, the fifth and the sixth round to me, it's kind of a dead area in the draft. Why don't I look to trade my fifth and my sixth round pick and see if I can't get up to, uh, I don't know, maybe a late third, maybe you can get a late third for a fifth and a sixth or, or something or, or a mid third. I'm, I'm not too sure really where that value is going to be and where other owners are going to value a fifth and a sixth. Um, maybe you can get a third and like a 10th or a third and a 12th or a third and a 13th. I'm I'm not sure where you would feel comfortable with that, but then you get a second, third round pick and maybe then you feel a whole lot better missing out on the fifth and sixth round. But yeah, I mean, definitely, I I guess if you're going to use ADP as kind of a guide there, just, just be aware that once that fifth and sixth round come about, you might be kicking yourself because there might be some players that are still there that you go, man, I wouldn't have made that trade if I knew those guys were available. So I think it's dangerous when you use ADP as a guide like that. I, I think it's meant to be a guide, but I think it's 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 dangerous to just use that and say, okay, this is why I'm going to do it because it's a dead part of the draft here. But um, also re- really tough to gauge value on that and um, to understand what what kind of value you're getting back. Um, so I think that's really tough to gauge, too, especially if you're the first one to make a trade in a, star- uh, in a, in a startup um, because you just don't know how everybody else is valuing these picks. So that can be difficult. It, it's a tough transition for me to, to gauge um, what I'm going to give compared to what I'm going to get. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm I not totally against it. I would just say make sure that, you know, you're, you're really doing your homework and you know exactly what you want to give and what you want to get in return. You don't settle for anything less.
2: I think James made a good point. You don't know what players are going to fall to that point where you could you'd be kicking yourself there. But again, all these trades come down to, to to value. I mean, if if the value makes sense and you're not if you're not overpaying to move up to the top fifty, then absolutely. But you know, if you're if you're giving away uh, you know three of these picks to move back up twenty spots, I'm not. I don't think that's a good that's a good move either. So it, it all it all depends on the price that you have to pay to, to make that happen. And I think it's something to be prepared for, but it's not necessarily something I'd be looking to do like before the draft kicks off or in like the first or second round.
3: I am a very firm believer that you never, ever, ever, ever trade up in a startup draft. And I don't even really like trading back either because I think trading in a startup draft is just ridiculous anyway because you never know if you're even getting value or a good trade or anything like that because it's all draft picks and you you don't have player names to the draft picks yet you have no idea how the draft is going to unravel um, between all those picks like a third and eighth might be worth a second round pick or it might be worth a first round pick it like you know all that stuff like it's all like variables and so i never trade up because i don't like the person that i trade up for might have been there at the pick that I used to trade up with so I, I never ever trade up ever if it's a if you think it's a dead spot And you just wait it out and not trade up and you don't like any of the players there then then trade back um, if, if that's something that you like um, but I just you know, I would rather just put a, a name to the pick and then trade at the end of the startup draft and, and do everything like that with with uh, you know the tools that I know uh, i'm able to to weigh and and do all that stuff so that that's just my opinion i know a lot of people don't really like to hear don't ever trade in a startup draft but uh, i just don't
4: yeah i'm okay with that too um i i'm definitely a huge fan of trading back and i'm not a big fan of trading up and it's just because it's so expensive man i mean To move up, you really are you're giving up a lot of future assets and you're you're putting all your chips on that one guy you're going to get Um, and you're you're robbing yourself of of depth and potentially even future depth and and or rookie assets. So I'm not a huge fan of trading up in general either.
0: Yeah, agreed. Just take a running back, and it kind of doesn't even matter who it is. You need a million of those. Fuck- <laughs> you, you need, you need a million running backs to just to survive a season. So yeah, just just take somebody. Just take some running back. Just stay put, stay put, and just load up. You need an army of them. All right, next question, and this one is from Kyle Senra. That's at N-Y-A-M-A underscore K-S. And uh, this one actually is going to be our question of the week. So congratulations to Kyle. We're going to send you a copy of the uh, 2QB.com 2QB slash Superflex draft guide for 2018. 221 PDF pages that includes a mock draft for Superflex. It includes, what is it, 66 quarterback uh capsules something like that maybe 63 but either way it's a it's ridiculous 60 and it
4: ends in luke falk yeah <laughs>
0: that's yeah. right that's yeah right. all the info you could possibly need um plus uh plus information from sal stefanelli from greg smith all the great writers there at two qbs and uh, just a all-star cast of contributors so it's an awesome product for the rest of you everybody else go go to two qbs.com and uh, order your copy now but congratulations to you kyle because you're getting a free copy from us for this question can you explain your process for evaluating players at the four different positions quarterback running back tight end wide receiver
3: i am a numbers guy so i look at the numbers is that is that a good enough question or like wow. the the question? what numbers do you look wow. at? Specifically? great answer for
2: the question of the week addison <laughs>
4: Like, is there a certain metric or set of metrics that you're looking for at quarterback or running back? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Is there anything specific uh, for the positional or for the positions that you value over other, you know, other statistics or whatever?
1: Mm -hmm.
4: Right, right. So,
3: so for running backs, I'm mainly looking at uh, production
4: over, you know,
3: the course of their college career. Uh, Usually. Uh, it's usually the most predictive in terms of how they're going to do it and uh, translating to the NFL. Uh, so usually that's like the main thing that I look at. Like I love Royce Freeman because the dude was a monster in college.
0: Yeah. And so
3: um, that, that's one of the things yes. that, I look, that I look for um, as well as, you know, uh, not so much of an injury history, which is why I'm down on Sonny Michelle because he has the injury history plus, you know, lower college production because of the injury history. Um, and so I just, I just don't really think he's all that he's hyped up to be. Um, so that's, that's something that I mainly look at for running backs because it is usually the, the easiest position that translates into the NFL. Um, for wide receivers, I'm looking at market share and uh rating as well as breakout age. Um, because those are the three main factors that go into, um, that mainly go into how uh, a wide receiver is going to translate. It's, it's not an exact science like we know. Um, you know, uh, so a lot of it is, uh, you know, intangibles as well. And, um, but that's the three main ones that I look at for, for wide receiver and probably for tight end as well. Um, because they, they will be similar in that regard. Um, quarterbacks is, is pretty hit or miss. It's, it's kind of basically, you know, a a combination of production. I like to look at, um, the tight end or the, the touchdown to interception ratio, um, just because uh, uh, I want to see, you know, how how they're doing in college and how that might translate into the NFL with, you know, accuracy and uh, decision making and stuff like that. And I actually do like watching tape for for quarterbacks just to get a sense of how, you know, they they operate on the field and and all the intangibles that come with that, you know, and. Um, like Deshaun Watson and everything like that. Like I love Baker Mayfield because I think he's a leader and he's also insanely accurate and has the college production, <sighs> uh, everything like that. So, uh, sorry, <laughs> James, uh, you, you're <laughs> a Browns fans though, so you should you should be cheering for me. Uh, yeah. So oh, I'll, come on, I'll be cheering. I'll
1: be cheering. I just um, I also cheered for Channing Fry. So I don't know. Just saying, <laughs> I'll be cheering, but that doesn't mean a lot. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So so that's basically that's basically my process there. Uh I hate rookie I hate rookie season just because everybody's all hyped up. Everybody's going to be, you know, every running back is the best thing since Adrian Peterson and every quarterback is going to be, you know, the next Carson Wentz. Um so I'm I kind of just avoid the that part of the season in general. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I absolutely love what you what you just said that that's we have such a short window. I mean, people hype up these rookies and then when they don't have that year that they, you know, that, yeah, hey, I drafted this guy with a first round pick and he didn't he didn't perform as a as a, you know, he, he didn't break out, you know, in his first year. It's like, well, give it time, you know, like, soul your role here. It's all right. But. But yeah, uh, so I, I guess I'll go into it. And I'm, I'm more of a film guy. Um, I'll, I'll definitely watch more films. So for quarterbacks, uh, for me, I mean, there's several. There's there's so many things to look for. I'm just going to point out a few that I look for um, with quarterback. Um, to me, it's footwork. Um, I, I really want to make sure that they their footwork is proper. Um, it's really important for a quarterback to have proper footwork. I want to check out the release. I want to make sure it's not an elongated release. Um, that's something that can be corrected. But if if it is. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to see how it affects his his throwing me- uh, mechanics, that sort of thing. I want to I want to know what kind of system they were in. To me, that that plays a big role um, as far as productivity, um, that sort of thing. If they were in a pro style offense, did they take snaps under center? I want to I want to see all those things, and then obviously the accuracy, um, and the throwing throwing power, um, that that sort of thing. I want to make sure they have the arm to make all the NFL throws, and that sort of sort of thing. So with quarterbacks, I mean, there's <laughs> It's, it's difficult to evaluate quarterbacks because you're looking for so much and i feel like it's uh, it's always difficult to quantify um with a quarterback whether you're looking at stats or film really what they can be because because there's some intangibles there that play a factor too that you don't always know about so um that that's for quarterback for me for running back um i i, I like to uh, i like to look at as well obviously Um, but to me it's I'm I'm gonna look at um, burst I'm gonna look at footwork too Um, I want to make sure that uh, that there's not a lot of false steps Um, uh, pad level I think pad level is one of those things that we don't always look at it's huge making sure that people are running with uh, making sure that backs are running with a low pad level and keeps them closer to the ground Um, ball security Um, I think one of the big things that we look for now is their hands Um, they're out running uh, catching out of the backfield um, pass protection those types of things. Um, there's a lot also kind of with running backs that you want to look for, but uh, those are the main things that I'm going to look for that are going to get them on the field early and translate to the NFL. And then for receivers, uh, really, I mean, to me, route running is is huge. Um, I, I think you're starting to see a swing in wide receiver productivity, and the guys who can run routes are the guys who are really being targeted a lot and are being productive. Um, it, I think there was a, a point in time where that big physical Receiver that you can just throw a fifty-fifty ball up to was dominating, and I don't think that's the case anymore. So for a receiver, I'm, I'm looking for someone who can separate, who can run good routes, doesn't have a lot of false steps, gets in and out of his cuts quickly, um, and that sort of thing. Um, looking for an expanded route tree, what kind of routes they ran in college, that sort of thing, and knowledge of the offense. You know, when the quarterback's in a scramble drill, does he come back to the quarterback? Does he, you know, know to do those things? So. Um, again, there's there's a lot more too. Obviously, you want to look at hands, um, you want to look at catch radius, that sort of thing. But uh, those are the main things that I'm looking for out of those positions. Uh, tight end is is pretty similar to wide receiver. Um, athleticism, I think, is a little bit higher there, just because you want to make sure in fantasy you're getting a tight end that is going to be used more as a a receiving threat and less as an inline blocker. So to me, that's that's going to play more of a role. But other than that, that's pretty much it.
2: Yeah, you know, I guess I'll just. I think I think James had a lot of good points there. I'm I'm a big film guy as well, and um, and I've talked about this on our podcast that I think naturally you you're either drawn to the film or you're drawn to the analytics side of the game. And I think the biggest thing, um, as part of our evaluation is that we understand who we are, where we're successful, and then try to improve on the areas where we're not. And that's why it's been so nice to have this podcast with Peter Howard, being the analytics guy. He's re- he really just kind of opens up my mind and and really just helps me understand what his process is and 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 how he gets there. And it it just it really helps me along along the way, kind of combine that film film side. Um, but just to add a couple notes. Um, you know, from a tape standpoint, I just want to see I want to see a special trait like. I want to see where they win, right? I think sometimes we get a little bit over overdrawn on on some of these prospects' flaws, but I just want to see where they win. You know, with quarterbacks, James mentioned a lot of good things. A couple more things would be just, you know, anticipation, being able to read an NFL defense. Um, intelligence is is incredibly important, that position. Running back vision for me is, is up there, probably number one. And then contact balance, I love to see. And then wide receiver, I think James made a good point there. is is route running is so important to be able to create separation and and have trust in in your quarterback. And then also be able to play multiple positions, I think, is another uh, uh, added bonus for a wide receiver. Because if you can put him in any formation um, and the defense doesn't know what to cue on, I think is a huge advantage for an offense. And then, again, tight end is just, you know, being a good receiving threat is from a fantasy perspective is you want to see those same kind of traits as you see as a wide receiver for the tight end position.
1: Those are all fantastic traits. Uh, what about you, John? What are you looking at? So <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm definitely more of a film guy, but I have to say that, I, I mean, I, I have to out myself a little bit here. I don't even like to watch film because <laughs> what ends up happening is I fall in love with a guy like John Kelly and then he gets drafted to back up Todd Gurley, so for me it honestly the biggest thing is I'm a big situation over talent guy, and I know that people don't like to hear that, but the reality is I mean, it it all starts with landing spot, and from there I mean you can it, the, the is the opportunity there or not you know, so but the other thing I'll say is. That I like to go off of. So here's what you do. Go to to ffstatistics.com. Click on season data. And go to z-score analysis. And you can see where these these players are really going to start to produce for you. Um, What season in particular. And you're going to see that wide receivers tend to... The third year wide receiver thing ends up holding up. Um, Same with tight ends quarterbacks generally break out in year two and peak in year three and then just kind of sustain that for several years and the running back position comes right out of the gate top 12 running backs often start off as top 12 running backs and then kind of slowly decline from there so definitely keep kind of that in mind you know make sure that you're getting a position that helps your roster and it makes sense for your roster you know if you've got a third year running back you've or fourth year running back you've got Todd Gurley and you know he just had an RB1 overall season he's not going to do that again you know there's there's drafting a rookie wide receiver who's going to do nothing for you this year while Todd Gurley is at his peak i mean it just it creates a conflict on your roster and it just does you no good you know, you need, you need wide receivers who are actually going to perform at their, give you their peak performance while your running backs are still, you know, somewhat relevant and so on. Like the entire thing just needs to mesh in that way. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just look for, for landing spot. It all starts there for me. So for the sake of time, I, I don't, have anything different
4: to add. Um, I kind of try to, I mean, I watch, uh, as much rookie film as I can or college film as I can. Um, I'm still fairly new to the whole rookie evaluation process. So, uh, I don't know that I draw real strong conclusions from that, but I like to see the players on the field for sure. Um, and then I also, uh, definitely appreciate and value, um, You know the metric side of it as well so uh, pretty much you know everything you guys covered i kind of tried to take it all into consideration um so for the sake of time we'll just we'll leave it at that you guys killed it
0: let's do this last one because i think this is appropriate for the occasion this is from brandon rojas that's at brandon xx 360 xx on twitter and he just asks how did you guys get together and decide to start a podcast that question is multifold.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna I'll, start with Addison and Jake here, huh? Yeah, yeah.
2: Let's start yeah, with the original. I'll go, I'll go first. I'll go first. I mean, just going back to what what drew my interest. I I went to school for music production uh, coming out of high school, so uh, I had always had interest in in, in music production and and sound sound arts. Um, so I'd always always been a fantasy football guy. I always listened to. Uh, Paul Charchin growing up, uh, Fantasy Football Weekly. Uh, ever since I started playing football and then the Audible and then now getting into Dynasty, I'm just a podcast. Um, I don't want to say the wrong kind of word here, but I listen <laughs> to a lot of podcasts. Um, so just naturally having those kind of backgrounds drew me into – I always knew if I wanted to really pursue that that music side that I was actually wanted to get into sports radio. So just the combination of loving – Fantasy football loving podcasts, loving um, to be a listener just being able to get uh, involved in the Twitter community and then starting to work for DFF and and then getting that opportunity to, to come on the super flexible show with John and Addison uh, it was just it was something fun and exciting and I remember you know just doing some guest spots before I even started that podcast was was extremely nerve wracking um but if you are interested into it i would just say do it get some practice in and get those nerves out of the way because the more you do something the more comfortable the more confident you get and and honestly if you're not enjoying it then then it's just you're not in it for the right for the right reasons because i know we make a ton of money off of this um but it's it's really just it's just for the fun yeah
3: yeah and if, i mean basically when when I was still a writer with DFF, uh, you know, I was I was approached about you know potentially coming on for a new podcast. I was going to talk about uh, you know the Superflex and that format, and maybe other you know alt scoring formats uh, like point per carry or tight end premium stuff like that. And I had like zero experience in in the podcast world, but I was always interested in you know like I was always drawn to you know, being able to to voice my opinions, however wrong that might be in Jake's eyes, you know, audio, like in, in an audio format. And um, so I, I was immediately drawn to it. And then when I was told that, you know, John and, and potentially Jake, I think at that point, Jake wasn't 100%, but they were going to talk to to him um, about, you know, coming on as being the three guys to do it, then I, I was already all for it, like the, the opportunity back then, like, like Jake was already doing all these these podcast guest appearances, and to have that quote unquote veteran presence, you know, on the pod with, uh, you know, with with John and I, uh, you know, it was it was an opportunity that I thought I you know wouldn't be able to pass up. So I I automatically said yes, and uh, you know I I I don't regret it at all. It was it was one of the best experiences you know, of, of my fantasy football career so far.
0: All right. And let's hear from the, from the other guys, the, uh, about the transition into the common era. (laughs) So I, I
4: just feel really, I mean the whole base, basically it's just, I got lucky. So, um, I mean, I was really, obviously, I was really into podcasts for a long time, listening to podcasts and I had been, before I came on as one of the co-hosts I had been on a couple of guest spots here and there but I was still pretty new to the whole industry um, and then obviously we were at DFF and um, Jake and Addison left and they were looking for um, for two new guys to come in with John and um, I had I had expressed my interest in um, you know being on a being a co-host on a podcast at some point, and then also had expressed, expressed interest in super flex leagues. And so one thing that led to another and, and joined up with you two fine gentlemen, and it's been an awesome ride so far.
1: Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I, uh, I, I've come to find out that, uh, I was kind of the, uh, the last, the, the the last Mohican, the, uh, the, the last, uh, stooge, if you will, uh, in, in our, our three stooges after Addison and Jake left. Um, I uh, I ended up kind of kind of being one of several names kind of tossed around for the uh, the opportunity to kind of kind of host with you guys and uh, super super lucky and super fortunate that uh, that you know, a bunch of the right people, um, John included, were, were able to kind of step up, um, you know, that were involved in the decision-making process were able to to speak up for me, and I got this opportunity. Um, it really... I, I've just been into fantasy for so long, and when I went on Twitter and realized that this whole, there was a, an entire community that was infatuated with fantasy football as much as I was, um, it really opened my eyes to to just an entirely entire new world, really, because, I mean, I thought... I'm sitting here reading magazines and trying to, to find you know fantasy content on local radio and getting serious and XM satellite radio so I can listen to fantasy all the time. And uh, little did I know that uh, the Twitter world, right at my fingertips, uh, had all this fantasy content from a bunch of people who are smarter than I am and, and know the game really well. And so it was a really, really kind of cool to to kind of be part of that, and I wanted to to immer, immerse myself in every aspect of it, and podcasting was one of them so um yeah, the fact that I got the opportunity to to do this i i am forever grateful i th- I think it's awesome we've had a lot of a lot of good times I've met a lot of really cool people because of it, and um I wouldn't have i I wouldn't trade it for anything I can tell you guys that much,
0: yeah, absolutely so do have to shout out to DFF. I know that we're kind of persona non grata over there right at the moment, and uh, um, it's it's it, that's kind of too bad. But definitely, still a lot of a lot of good feelings towards the DFF army over there. Um, for t- first of all, for taking a chance on all five of us, you know, through it, at some point, um, definitely. Uh, you know, I hit on some local radio here in Denver, and just kind of love the 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 challenge of you know having to uh, of talking about something that you're passionate about and um just the opportunity to to kind of talk with other people essentially you know and uh, have it go out to other people as well and involve so many different people in the conversation of something that we're all passionate about and that we all enjoy and uh you know, so that, so they they took a chance on us. Now DLF also took a took an awesome chance on us. And also both Dynasty Football Factory and Dynasty League Football also recognized the importance and you know the the, the grow the growth of the Superflex format and the fact that it does put the emphasis back on the quarterback position. Everybody's starting to play it. But nobody's entirely sure how to do it just yet. And I'm I'm I don't think that I do either. I mean, clearly I you know, I let one experience where I saw a quarterback run in the first round and part of the second round just haunt me for the rest of my days. So but I like being able to think about this, I like being able to talk about this, I hope that it helps. But above all else, I like that I get the opportunity to sit down and talk with two of my friends after I got to, you know, before that, I got to sit down and talk with two of my other friends. And uh, they they got some new opportunities, and it's been awesome to watch both Jake and Addison, you know, move onward and upward and uh, and see all the awesome things that they've been able to do so far and that they'll continue to do. So... I just want to thank all four of you guys for being a part of this with me, for sharing this with me, and for giving me an opportunity for the last year to spout my nonsense on the Superflex format and on fantasy football in general. It's been an absolute blast. And here's to several more years of this. Amen, man, brother.
2: Getting all, all sorts of sentimental up in here.
0: Oh <laughs> i know i know it's it's kind of weird it feels like it should end with you yelling at addison I mean, that's kind of that's, that's, that's i a do compliment. i do
2: if we have time i do want to yell at addison i've been i've been holding it in all night if that's okay do it <laughs> yeah, man. addison addison you you really pissed me off today <laughs> with with your Uh-oh. whole with your whole high horse about if someone doesn't rank Odell Beckham Jr. at 101, you will not even read their rankings. (laughs) Explain yourself, because I'm pretty sure, aren't you like a rankings administrator? Yeah, I might be. That's like the worst thing you could possibly say. (laughs) Hey, I mean,
3: I don't know what to tell you. OBJ is the 101, and I... uh... I said the same thing about Antonio Bryan and redraft leagues, that he was the uh, wide receiver one. And apparently people didn't want to hear about that either.
2: I mean, that was actually a good take. That's the difference. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to bust your balls just because I, 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 and I have Odell Beckham as my one-on-one too, but I just, Uh I think there's, listen, I think there's room for conversation about the Andre Hopkins. I think there's room in the conversation for even Antonio Brown, honestly, depending on how you're going to build your teams. Um, and I know you were probably not being super serious about it, but uh, I just had to take the chance to bust your balls one last time.
3: <laughs> I always enjoy it as, as as weird or as bad as that might sound whenever I much. see a notification from uh, NFL draft talker. I, I know I know uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be, be some good. fun.
1: <laughs> all right, Addison. A- Addison, one last time, man. This year, this year, AJ Green, Amari Cooper. Who are you taking?
3: It's got to be AJ Green. There's, oh, there's man, no way. It. There's no way that you can tell me Amari Cooper is gonna gonna outscore AJ Green barring injury.
1: Love it. That's all I needed to hear. I'm good.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was actually the the first take I think I ever heard from Addison, and it was his last good one too. Oh, (laughs) you know what,
3: Jake, if you would have agreed with me back then, uh, I did agree
2: with you back then.
3: Were were you part of the whole argument, though?
2: I don't think I got highly involved because that thing blew up. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: That thing lasted for weeks. (laughs)
2: If
3: if we're being completely honest, I almost stopped doing fantasy because of that. (laughs)
2: Like
3: the (laughs) amount (laughs) the amount of hatred that came my way. And I was literally like two weeks into the industry. And I was just like, man, like, but then I was right. So, I mean, you know, whatever.
4: When that I, that, that argument. DFL-
1: Go ahead.
4: I was just saying that argument ruined friendships. Oh, my God. <laughs> is
1: when I first joined DFF, the first thing that anyone said to me in one of the chats was, hey, James, welcome to the chat. AJ Green or Amari Cooper? That was Edison. And I immediately was like, AJ Green. And yep. we were friends ever since.
3: Yep. Which is weird because we're both fans of the opposite AFC North teams, you know,
1: of, yeah, the, of yeah. the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So, and, and it still worked out because A.J. Green. A.J. He's Green. He's better than Amari Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: Um, Actually, so we uh, we gave Addison one last platform here. So, Jake, it's your turn. I got to give you one. One chance to uh to make amends with case keenum let's get it all off your chest now and so that we can move on and let case keenum go down in vikings lore
2: what do you want me to say here john
0: just tell us how awesome case keenum is because you know i won't
2: i won't (sighs) because he's not he's so good he's not and you know he's don't say he's so good
0: (laughs) oh wow john (laughs) can he be
2: okay around a bunch of really good weapons Maybe, maybe.
0: Yeah, and he's got that. So there you okay. go. Okay,
2: so he has a chance to be okay.
0: He, he got you to the <laughs> NFC <laughs> that, championship. That's high you...
1: praise from Jake. <laughs> he's, got <laughs> he's got a chance solid. to be okay.
2: I think he's got a chance to be
1: okay. <laughs> John's about to have another stroke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the Are best you're... you're gonna get, buddy. Yeah, you're... yeah. I guess I better just.
1: Take hey, you. I wish
2: I wish you well. I wish you well. I just I. I... I'd rather see Chad Kelly on the field. That's it.
3: Ooh. Oh
0: man, me too. Right. That's
3: man. going back to some like OG Superflex days when uh, we were yeah, talking man. about Chad that's, Kelly. That's right. I know. Yeah, at
0: <laughs> well, the time, Chad Kelly on one leg, I would have took that over the crap that we threw out there. <laughs> but
2: that's why you think Case is so good compared to what you had. He is really, really good.
3: Yeah. What's his compared DVOA? To... <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, i can fight it for you <laughs> <laughs> he got you to the nfc championship he deserves better so and by the way yeah you're one Kirk cousins injury away from seeing what firsthand what we had last year
2: don't put that evil on me john <laughs> keep him upright <laughs> that's all i'm
0: saying keep him upright all right well guys Thank you so much for coming on the show and for celebrating it with us, um, our one-year anniversary, our fiftieth episode. Really appreciate having both of you uh, come back, and just thank you all for being a part of this over the last year.
2: Well, Wait, thanks guys. for thanks for having thank us you. on, and congratulations for your for your fifty episodes, your one year, and continue doing great things. You guys are doing awesome stuff.
0: Agreed. Thanks, guys. Nice. Thanks, dudes. And with that, we're going to wrap it up for the week. We're going to wrap it up for year one of the Superflex Super Show. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for all of those who have uh, been giving us ratings and reviews. That We really appreciate it. Keep them coming, guys, because that really helps us to get out to more listeners and involve more people in the conversation so that we can really zero in on those topics that are the most useful to you. In the vein of listener interaction, keep sending us those trade those trade polls on Twitter as well. It's at Superflex Show. And we can help you get more retweets, more comments, more votes. And sometimes we even take them here on the podcast and analyze them here. You can also follow Travis. He's at Travis NFL. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. Also, don't forget to follow if you aren't already don't forget to follow jake he's at nfl draft talker addison at amaze hayes underscore and then of course at ff statistics as well thank you again to 2qbs.com for giving us that draft guide that we could give away congratulations to kyle senra for winning that And thank you to everybody who sent in those questions for us as well. Uh, It was a lot of fun to, to be able to celebrate this episode with all of you and the opportunity to involve you in the conversation. We really appreciate that. We really appreciate all the support over this last year. It really means a lot. Thank you to Dynasty League Football and the family of podcasts check out that mega feed so that you can get access to all of the dlf podcasts all in one feed thank you to heart and soul radio for the song the addiction that we have used as our intro and outro music for every one of these episodes for 50 weeks and above all else thank you again to each and every one of you for being a part of this journey thank you for listening today thank you for listening always and until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye
3: It was funny because you I remember when we first started doing this, you were the one who, who said we should do video so that um, we could see like if someone's like about to talk or something like that, so then we could get the, the flow
0: down. <laughs> yeah. And then I almost sneezed on the camera one time. <laughs> it was almost just like directly onto the, the little camera.
1: It, it was kind of nice when we decided that we didn't have to use video anymore. Like, it was pretty freeing to be able to, like, scratch myself whenever I wanted. And, you know, That's what just I'm like, saying. Like,
2: I kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this right now.
1: I'm yeah,
4: telling dude. you, man. It, it yeah, I don't it have a these assholes level. judging me all the time on what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, seriously, dude. Have you ever have to... podcasted with Shane? That's where I got this. Oh
2: man, he I've like podcasted with Shane before. Yes,
0: he turns off all the lights. He lays down. and then turns off his camera (laughs) and then (laughs) podcast well he's just laying there like half asleep now
2: now everything he um everything he's been on makes way more sense yeah
3: (laughs) john i'm still i have that image of you sneezing in my head and it is still (laughs) as funny as the time as the day that it happened dude that was so close
0: (laughs) You you cu- you, you had tissues like right above your your computer. And I you... know, and you guys are so lucky. The, you were like the, the there was one that was just it. kind of barely hanging out of the box. It had like one corner still in the box. Otherwise, it was just completely loose. So it just kind of fell into my face. And otherwise, yeah, I would have just plastered the, the screen with it, and you guys would have been puking and. Yeah,
1: it just would have turned into Total so, Shit Show. So Best <laughs> podcast ever. I wanna listen to that on repeat. Most downloaded episode. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you you put that in the uh the farewell episode. Really? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so if you want uh, Travis and uh James, if you wanna listen just listen to that <laughs> happening, just go back. I don't know if you have the feed still.
4: I listened. Yeah. I listened to that one.
3: Yeah. That. Oh my
0: god, dude! I laughed for at least ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. I watched like, that I, one I, I went camera,
3: and everything. Oh man. I know.
0: Yeah, you you never laughed harder than that, and I felt like I said some pretty funny shit sometimes, but yeah, nothing nothing that got was. you like the 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 possibility of, like the scenario where I almost almost just sneeze all over everybody's life
3: if you just saw
0: how fast <laughs> oh, you know you what? Moved.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I am remembering it now remembering like Addison was laughing so hard that he had to like go off mic for a second like yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh dude <laughs> you guys yelling back and forth was great it kind of set the precedent for this for this uh this podcast it's pretty cool yeah, no, it's just me and John
4: all the time. Yeah. Each other.
1: Yeah, which is so great.
2: <laughs> you guys would have been such good friends if we hadn't started the shit show. <laughs> yeah,
0: <I know. laughs> Created a culture that we just could yes. not get away from. Yes.
2: that a completely different vibe.
0: Filled the swamp.
1: Oh, that's no good. That's no good. I like the vibe we got, man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah.
2: You knew
3: it was bad when we had that test... Uh, test run episode the week before the official first episode and i had the cam newton you're nuts and jake and i had that argument for at least half an hour and (laughs) the argument was so good in john's eyes that he wanted to repeat it for the official first episode yeah and that's that's
0: that's really what fueled it and then we repeated it every week and then you guys left and me and travis repeated it
4: (laughs) what the hell john we didn't get a
0: practice episode no, you're right. You didn't need it. Just jump our,
2: on in. our episodes our, are pretty much all practice ones.
0: episodes.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> our
4: first few episodes sucked.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, man, man, I kind of want to go back and listen to them now. I don't. You'll yeah. probably
3: hate yourself, honestly. <laughs> or bad. you'll be proud of how far you guys came.
0: Yeah, maybe. Our audio quality was piss poor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay because no one listened. <laughs> well, that. One know, guy. I,
2: I gotta say, John, you're doing a you're doing a fantastic job with editing. Yeah. I thought. I think. I think the pod sounds fantastic.
0: Nice. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, John. Awesome.
2: Like the intros, the outros, it sounds super professional, man.
0: Sweet. Thanks, man.
2: No, it sounds great.
4: Now they're trying to pretend like they listen, guys. <laughs> I was drawing yeah, on. I
2: do listen. I don't listen every <laughs> week, but I do listen. Nice. <laughs> you are in my rotation of seven thousand podcasts.
0: Right, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what, do like, mean, what
2: do you mean you don't listen every week? Well <laughs> Yeah,
0: we used to, we used to have a little bit more leverage over you when it was a podcast that you named, but now it's just like oh, we can't even <laughs> hold that over your head. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, you've got to listen. You fucking named it, man. You just ignore We're your still- kids
1: too,
2: or what we, still- we only have one, so it's pretty easy.
1: <laughs> we still got the uh the the avatar and the logo for it that that he created though, so he's still he's still like you know like maybe maybe that's it's true. not his baby it's his it's his godchild you know he's still gotta gotta be a part of it gotta it's be still, involved.
2: it's still part of me
1: there we go
0: that's true, and again, your fingerprints are still on it, both of you guys. Because that's where the the culture started. Instead of everybody else just, you know, just agreeing with each other all the time, it's like going after each other. That's kind of what well, helps culture. when
2: you. It helps when you genuinely hate somebody.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs>
2: What if and John I do Green... I do like John Gruden though that's part of it too yeah regardless of if he's up to speed or if he's a flawed coach I I just like him so I would love to see him do at least decent
0: dude what if he's trolling us right now with all of this like oh, all of this so like old school well the
2: well the the worst the worst thing is you can't really troll you with uh you know player decisions.
0: God, <laughs> well, well, with roster true.
2: construction, you know that, like...
0: that would be some deep trolling for sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Doug. Jordy Martin, and Derek Johnson and you. Doug
2: Martin, they get cut right before <laughs> the season. <laughs> hey, Jordy's
3: running twenty-two miles an hour. So, ooh, really?
2: Okay.
3: Yeah, is that, is that draft
1: good? Jordy. Draft uh, draft you, Marshawn yeah, did,
3: Lynch. Did you see that? No, no. Gruden's. <laughs> Gruden said that they put a speedometer up at their uh at their training camp and they tagged <laughs> Jordy at 22 miles an hour he's flying all over the field
0: see that's what i mean that like back before they even had stopwatches that's probably what they did they would get the the cop's <laughs> radar guns and <laughs> hey, that's how they would time them <laughs>
2: Like yeah. at the office episode where Michael's where they're yeah. racing yeah. on the street, yeah. And the car zooms by, he's like 37 miles an hour, yeah. <laughs> you're like, That's not humanly possible, Michael. Yeah. You saw it, you saw it.
1: <laughs> so, make sure you're following John so he can make you miserable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is the effect Addison has on people though sorry
0: (laughs) I try my hardest (laughs) yeah that's kind of true he's a he's kind of got a a uh, Tyrion Lannister thing going
2: (laughs) (laughs) except he's way way more likable
4: did you mean Tyrion yeah whatever yeah yeah I'm I'm sure I probably did
3: are you going Tyrion or Tywin there's a difference
4: Oh there is yeah. A They're two different guys. Oh no. John, no. don't ever bring up Game of Thrones again Stop. if you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you, you might as well have just went for too. Cersei or People are gonna me. blow up our mentions, dude, if you're if you're throwing out weird, incorrect facts about Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, you can't just throw out a Lannister. They're not all the same.
2: <laughs> I thought we were only halfway through. <laughs> yeah, we're
0: getting ready for the after show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's do this one last question though, before we before we let these damn, guys really? go.
2: There's another question.
0: There's one more question. It, this should be a quick one. This should be. Right. A quick one, it, yeah. it should be pretty quick. But I think it's it, that it's uh, that it's very who's appropriate. The
2: worst, who's the worst personality on Twitter, Addison?
0: Uh, good night. <laughs> Is <laughs> that why I have more followers than you? Oh damn!
4: Ooh. Oh, ouch. I think Jake had a lot more followers before we went on the open
0: bar. <laughs> <laughs> you lost him there.
2: That just, just proves I could give two shits about how many followers.
0: I, had. <laughs> nice. I think you lost them all to Outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> In his burner account oh, Dynasty Porta Potty. <laughs>
3: We'll, we'll have to make sure each of us should check in on him over the next couple of days to make sure he's all right.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
3: we don't yeah. hear from him on on uh, Twitter for like three or four days.
0: Yeah, send me a send me a stripper gram or whatever it is.
2: <laughs> do you like sent- tits? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you a fan of tits? Yeah, we'll yeah. have to do it again, man. For Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that sounded a little
2: bit too sexy for my. Yeah, life. Are you a fan of yeah. tits? Yes, we will. Oh yeah, you damn
4: right. Do you want to buy some Lacroix? <laughs> Jesus,
1: <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm freaked out. Right. Are you yeah. a fan of tits? All right,
3: no. I'm gonna hang up too. Are you right, a, a fan I of
0: My tits. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Thanks, guys. I gotta add real quick. Case Keenum ranked first in DVOA last year. <laughs> Wait, what is I, that remind I, me, of? I what could does that mean? not. I could not make that up. That he was the stat
3: that we did. totally trashed for Jack Doyle.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but now, oh, he wow. had he had more value per play than any other quarterback in 2017.
0: Ah!